Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Human Experience at Work podcast. This is Nelly Bustani, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Haytham Al-Balawi. Haytham is the Chief Human Resources Officer of John Hopkins Aramco Healthcare, which is a unique healthcare joint venture between a world leader in energy like Saudi Aramco and similarly in healthcare, John Hopkins Medicine. Haysam started his career as an engineer at Aramco in the industrial security field and moved through the organization into different roles and departments. And over the past six years, he led different functions in HR, like HR systems, workforce planning and analytics, talent acquisitions, uh, HR policies and compensation. He is also actively involved in the World Economic Forum in fields related to the future of jobs, and the readiness of the organization. So Haysam, it's a pleasure to have you here today. I know you took the role of the CHRO in the middle of the pandemic last July, while the healthcare industry was challenged the most. I'm really curious to know, how has this journey been for you and, and really how do you feel about this move now? Uh, thank you for uh, having me, Nelly, and it's really a great uh, pleasure to be with you today. It's, as you said, it was very uh, interesting when I was uh, told that I will be moving to the healthcare in the middle of the pandemic and everyone was telling me seriously with the coronavirus you are going to inside the hospital inside me I found that uh, it's very interesting because uh, I think the the cause and the purpose is uh, very core and critical at this moment and I I really feel felt so proud seeing all of these healthcare uh, workers Uh, putting their time and effort and uh, leaving their beloved ones behind them to provide care for others. So uh, it really touched me a lot and I, th- I feel so proud to be part of them. I think purpose drives people at the end of the day and uh, there is nothing you know more noble than what the healthcare industry has been really uh, offering uh, not only to its patients but to the world during this uh, these difficult times. Um, healthcare providers, hospitals, you know, family physicians, public health uh, entities were and still at the very core of this crisis. And now, as we see, you know, wave two hitting many countries around the world. Unlike most industries, you have experienced a surge in demand, but also a huge disruption of your normal operation. Can you tell us how did you experience this as at John Hopkins Aramco Healthcare? As you said, we are no different from any other healthcare organizations when it comes to the disruption that we faced. It's truly challenging for healthcare because the disruption they have at two angles. At first is attending to care for people who are not COVID positive and those who are COVID positive. Some of these uh, would, uh, is, is, a, is an elective kind of uh, care that they want. Some of them are urgent. And, and mixing these two pools together was very challenging. So asking people that who were waiting for, for example, for a scheduled elective uh, surgery to wait more and uh, for others who are ill to have social distancing and do testing and quarantine, it wasn't really an easy operation if you look into it from the normal operation. And when you look into it from the, uh, the, the COVID-19 uh, situation, it's also very challenging. People are panicking. People don't know. And the whole world was not really equipped with enough knowledge about what could this virus do and how harmful it, it is. 
So managing the panic and managing the situation, managing the people who are ill and people who need care at uh, the beginning of the crisis was, was a puzzle really for most of the healthcare workers. Uh, not only to them, also how to explain it to the public. And I think what uh, we did in John Hopkins try to be uh, transparent, trying to be uh, provide the information firsthand. And this is what also following with the Ministry of Health uh, directions, that this what helped a lot, transparency and bringing the information and being honest about all the, the, the situation from the beginning. I know the healthcare industry has been challenged with a strain on resources. When we had, you know, our conversation earlier, we spoke about um, fear from the staff themselves on their life or sometimes, you know, people being overworked and so on. How did you manage to deal with, with these challenges from a workforce shortage and, and work-life balance? Well, the, the workforce story was really challenging by itself. One, the evolution of uh, the controls and measures uh, imposed by government was very fast, faster than the time that we can manage uh, our workforce. Uh, so lockdowns and closing borders and uh, imposing uh, curfews, all of this happened in a very rapid way that uh, some of our staff get stranded out of kingdom, some of them get locked down in their uh, own uh, towns and homes, the curfews, managing the curfews and all of this was not an easy uh, thing really to manage about the workforce. So whoever was there and proudly they were uh, serving and providing extra hours uh, to maintain the quality of care that we provide to our uh, patients and to the community. So I, I think it's a, it's a story by itself when, when people who were uh, in their homes locked uh, locked in their homes or they were uh, in their, uh, wherever they are safe and protected, there were a, a big number of healthcare providers uh, being running day and night. Some of them were working even uh, more than uh, 12 hours a day. Some of them were staying overnight in, their, in the hospital to, to, continue, to make sure that we continue to provide the care. And as the, as the, as the crisis evolved, we have to branch and extend our uh, services outside the existing facility we have to make sure that we, we keep the environment uh, safe for, for patients who are in the uh, hospital. Another point to highlight that our, our workforce demographics are not different from the public demographics. So we do have uh, high-risk people, people with uh, either, either with pregnancy, people with uh, immunity problems or others. So we do have similar kind of like, like, like wish uh, demographic distribution, and yet we, we saw a lot of uh, those people coming forward and putting uh, the right uh, level of commitment to ensure the support to the community. Yeah, I think we're all in this together, aren't we? Absolutely. And more so, you know, on the, on the uh, healthcare staff. Um, you mentioned that uh, a lot of people were stranded outside and, you know, like while you extended outside the existing facilities, did you need to ramp up the capacities? I mean, were you able to or how were you able to overcome the requirement or the need for extra staff given the limitation in the kingdom? Well, we have to shift our operating model so we, we cannot operate as normal. And we have to be smarter in our way of delivering the service. So we, we shifted to uh, home monitoring systems. 
immediately. So those with uh, who do not require admission to the hospital or their home conditions are uh, suitable for them to be home quarantined, we, we shifted to uh, home monitoring uh, systems. So this has relieved some of the, uh, of the workload that we have. We have to call for volunteers. So this has uh, helped a lot in, in, uh, in putting the support and services in different uh, locations. But yes, it was a little bit uh, pressure uh, in terms of workforce. However, we, we were able to manage it through technology and changing our operating model. Okay. And you mentioned, let's say, volunteers coming to support. Did you have also to onboard and train those volunteers to be able to, uh, you know, to continue to deliver the same level of service? Exactly. Some some of them were, were volunteers in uh, clinical services, some of them in administrative services and logistics. And uh, that's where we uh, provided the proper uh, onboarding for them, the proper uh, training so that they can deal with uh, patients in these uh, locations. And we found, we found a lot of uh, good skills people who can manage uh, some basic logistic uh, uh, problems and challenges. Yeah, clear. You mentioned uh, or we spoke about the challenges that the employees face, let's say, from a fear or from a health perspective, putting themselves at risk. How did you keep a pulse on, you know, not only the physical, but also the mental well-being of your organization or your hospital in this case, to ensure that continuity of service. And um, what's your view on on, uh, this whole situation with uh, employee experience in healthcare? Well, I I think the first thing that uh, Njaha was done very well is the visibility of leadership. So visibility of leadership and and the operation was, was a key. Uh, into the success. So people see their leaders and with them, they are doing uh, and putting more efforts like they do. The second was communication and clarity of uh, communication. So we were able to communicate uh, our messages, I would say in uh, in very frequent uh, in the day, so three or five or six times a shift, people are receiving the proper information and the required information. And we also do uh, a pulse survey every time and then to check for the employees, what are their concerns? And, and not only listen from them, listen and act. So we immediately address uh, any issues that the employees raise, whether that is uh, they have issues with the provided tools or they have uh, concerns of misunderstanding something, we immediately uh, address. And HR played a major role in facilitating this pulse uh, survey with the uh, employees uh, and to cascading it uh, to the proper uh, organizations to act on them uh, immediately. So I, I think with these three uh, dimensions, we were able to manage uh, the workforce uh, stress at, uh, at this uh, point. So you, when you say HR played a key major role um, by, you know, uh, using these pulse surveys and understanding the people concerned, can you give us an example of something that came up out of these uh, pulse surveys that required immediate action? Maybe something that you can recall from that period. Well, one of one of them was was. Uh, uh, the direction of the organization in terms of, for example, the uh, facilities that we are operating outside and how long they will be operating them. Uh, so this is like a simple kind of question. People were, uh, were, were wondering whether we will continue to have with, with the satellite uh, facilities for patients or not and how we will be able to do with them. Another point was about the stranded people. What will happen with the stranded people? So all of these kind of questions, which is normal 
employee relation kind of uh, concerns that could raise. And although it's been have been communicated, but uh, if I put myself in, in the health care uh, provider or workers, uh, I'm, I'm busy with patients. I'm overwhelmed with the responsibility of taking care and providing care to, to these patients. I may not be having the time to read and maybe to see all of the uh, HR announcements or uh, communication, which made us to rethink of the medium that we need to channel our communication to uh, to those workers and how can we make sure that our messages, even if they are there or even our policies are being produced, they are still reached to everyone in, in different ways and different means. Absolutely. And communication was definitely key. HR all of a sudden became in the limelight in the middle of this crisis. And you mentioned that you also played a major role, you know, when it comes to uh, ensuring employees' experience and well-being were rightly dealt with. What did these all uh, changes, you know, mean for you and the HR organization, Adja? How did, how did your priorities change? And what was the biggest challenge for the HR organization going through? Well, the, the biggest change really is living in a changing world, not only from the surface, it's also from the core, from the policies perspective. So a lot of policies, labor law policies, Ministry of Health policies, been changing and changing very dynamically. Uh, so living in, being an agile and being responsive to all of these changes is, wasn't an easy task. And people were always wondering what is going to happen next. And you cannot keep uh, even uh, a single announcement at, that, at the beginning of the crisis uh, without changing it the week after or the week after. Uh, all of this is, 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 uh, requires agility, requires readiness uh, from the HR team to be able to provide the right communication, cascade it at the right time, make sure it reaches to uh, uh, the people it concerns uh, and uh, keeping the employees' morale uh, up. Uh, the, for example, the stranded people, we, we had a, a good number of our people who were traveling at that time, even either for business or for uh, their vacations. And when, oh, when the borders was uh, closed in Saudi Arabia or in other places in the world, we need to communicate with them. Some of them were reachable, some of them were not reachable. And we had to go and find, find ways to uh, reach out uh, to them and communicate with them and uh, uh, and ensure that we are connected uh, with them. So uh, agility was was very, very key, uh, sh- a game uh, changer in our uh, priority. Uh, also balancing between uh, workforce uh, and anxiety and uh, and. Uh, the willingness to help, and the burnout. So how can we make sure that we keep, even if those who are interested to put more effort, they don't reach to a burnout uh, level by looking into work schedules and shifts and uh, all of these kind of uh, uh, changes that we have to introduce during this uh, crisis. I can only imagine uh, how tough it was. Um what what do you consider a success or a lesson learned during this uh, period for you and the team? Uh, I think a success was uh, transparency and honesty. So uh, I remember that uh, uh, when we started uh, the situation, we we said that we we cannot just uh, gamble and take risks in, in our communication. We have to be transparent. We have to be clear. And we have to uh, be uh, uh, providing the information 
quickly to employees. So this is, was very helpful. People appreciated it. People were uh, uh, accepting the, 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 the challenges that we are in. And they actually, they supported uh, us. Uh, organizations who went to the path of trying to hide or trying to uh, underplay the, the, the story uh, faced big challenges when it, when it gets longer. So because this crisis took longer than what it expected, you cannot, it will not hold the water to, to say something that is other than being transparent. Yeah. And, and to which extent did HR technology uh, play a role during this crisis, Haytham? To which extent digital HR helped facilitate or provided accessibility to data uh, for you to make a decision and so on? I'm just curious to know. Well, it was, it was very crucial, really. Uh, access to data was very, very important for decision makers to know who is uh, uh, at work, who's not at work, who has uh, certain conditions that need to be addressed. All of this kind of information, uh, having it in, uh, in on, on hand was very, very important. So mobility helped a lot in this. Not only that, actually, uh, uh, Extending the, uh, the learning management system to employees who are not at work was also very helpful. So a lot of our non-clinical, let's say, workers uh, took this as an opportunity to excel in their learning uh, journey. Uh, connecting with the health between health workers themselves, uh, uh, monitoring uh, patient records on, on, the, on the mobile, all of this mobility features that we uh, had uh, introduced helped us a lot really in excelling and uh, even in operating our satellite offices. So we didn't need to uh, really invest a lot in infrastructure to operate these uh, uh, satellite uh, uh, hospitals or clinics. I know a lot of, uh, you mentioned, let's say, satellite clinic. Uh, you mentioned also that uh, you moved early on into a home monitoring system a lot has, you know, disrupted the traditional uh, healthcare way of uh, of thinking or of doing. How do you see the ways of working evolving uh, in the future? And I know you've been involved as well with the World Economic Forum, uh, discussing about the future of work and, uh, you know, how to prepare the organizations. So how do you see this through the healthcare lens? The healthcare worker uh, or working environment uh, is no different than any other industries. It started uh, adopting digital technology from, uh, let's say, uh, three or five day, years ago. And uh, some, some organizations excelled in telemedicine and uh, others not. What really this crisis brought to the perspective is the acceptance of both the organization and the customer. And this acceptance really uh, increased or accelerated the demand for uh, telemedicine. Uh, start, in, in the past, we were pushing people to use telemedicine and you can see some people know, I wanna see the doctor physically, how can the doctor examine me remotely and all of these kind of questions. While after this crisis, people prefer, can we do it uh, through video or can we do it over the phone? Uh, so this has helped a lot in accelerating uh, this, uh, uh, these, these services. And, 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 and the perspective of how this will look like in the future, I always look into it from what I call the real model. So organizations has to be uh, ready, and this is the R from the real. So if, if they are not ready and they get such disruption, 
they will always be lagging and they will always be suffering from uh, the disruption and the change. But because this change is also not a normal digital transformation change, it's really a human crisis change. That's where you need the E, which is the empathy. So we cannot just assume that if I'm not, uh, if I wasn't ready, I just go and act without empathy on, on my workers or on my customers. So empathy is important in, in such a journey. Then you need to be agile, and this is the A. So ag agility is important because everything will be changing dynamically in this kind of crisis and this kind of disruption. And if the organization is not uh, agile, they have bureaucratic systems, they cannot introduce resources immediately, they will always be lagging and finding difficulties. And the last thing is leveraging. So they need to leverage all opportunities in terms of uh, learning, in terms of uh, volunteers, in terms of uh, bringing in the community to support. So they have to leverage all resources to survive uh, such a crisis. So with, with the disruption in mind, this is not a normal digital disruption. And that's where I think uh, the real model helps uh, organizations to think. I really like that model and I really like, you know, not only the focus on readiness and agility, but most importantly, empathy, because that has been really uh, a major um, enabler for success and for bringing people together at the end of the day. Looking into the future uh, of healthcare, again, Haysam, I know I'm focusing a lot on the future and I know some of the changes are driven by what happened during the pandemic and how it accelerated some of the behavior. But I'm really curious to know, in your view, what are the top three opportunities that CHROs in healthcare you know, should focus on in order to be able to respond uh, to these shifts and needs? And Well, I think the future of healthcare in this area will, will definitely expand on digital and the, the utilization of uh, telemedicine. So uh, delimiting the, the physical need for patients or for uh, doctors to be in, in, in a physical place is, is a very uh, important aspect to be agile. So if we can uh, expand our telemedicine to have, for example, uh, offshoring uh, kind of services for uh, diagnostic, uh, for uh, remote uh, operations, for other services, that, that will help in mitigating any uh, risks of uh, people being not able to be physically in the same uh, place. Uh, similarly with the patients, if, so if we can expand the, the, the health examination and the consultation uh, through the telemedicine, this will help a lot also in reaching out to more uh, patients, serve them on a more timely uh, manner. Because if you think it from, from the patient perspective, they, they, they want uh, quality of care and timely access. That's really what they want. So uh, if God forbid someone gets sick, they want to be, so see the doctor quick as quick as possible and they want to be treated and uh, cured. So if, if we put this into the perspective of how can we deliver this as a service, then telemedicine will provide a very excellent platform for such services. Now the challenge from workforce and for preparing the workforce to adopt and accept and be ready for such uh, arrangement, work arrangement or uh, skills and uh, tools, this is a, a, sh a shift and a change in, in, in the mindset of uh, traditional healthcare workers. 
and also in, in the uh, way that people used to deliver uh, their uh, services. So it, the, I think the biggest, or one of the biggest challenges is really the workforce and the, making the workforce ready. Second is also making the organization uh, ready in terms of policies and procedures and uh, a lot of compliances uh, issues. You know, the healthcare industry is one of the heaviest regulated uh, industries. And uh, that's why being agile and being uh, creative in the way how can we uh, deliver the services uh, in a agile way is, not, is, is a challenge by itself and need to be addressed, not I think by uh, one organization, I think collaboratively with, with the regulators and uh, other organizations. Uh, the, uh, the third the thing is really about the resources. Uh, we, we, we saw in other industries that there were, there were a lot of uh, resource sharing during the crisis. So those are industries who had uh, a surplus of uh, people were able to serve in organizations or in, in industries where they had shortage. Uh, unfortunately, in the healthcare, it didn't it doesn't work uh, one to one that easily because of all of this training and licensing uh, requirement for people to serve in, in the healthcare. So I think expanding on on uh, on opportunities to uh, at least have some sort of uh, resource sharing models that can help the uh, to help uh, healthcare to expand uh, in areas where they uh, have shortages and maybe provide services to others when they have uh, capacity. I think we've come to the end of our conversation. I just want to say that it was really great uh, to have you here. And I really appreciate you sharing your insights from the healthcare industry, looking at the challenges as well as the opportunities and also the role uh, that HR played in enabling, uh, if not leading, human experience at work. So thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I appreciate all the uh, support. Thank you, Haysam. This is Nelly Bustani, and you've been listening to Human Experience at Work. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening, and leaving your reviews. Stay tuned for the next podcast to hear different perspectives from our guest speakers on bringing human experience at work to life.